Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 49th episode of 2022. Before we kick off, I'd like to thank Nokia, the gold sponsors for Fiber for Breakfast. You know, earlier this week, the Fiber Broadband Association held its premier members meeting in St. Pete Beach, Florida. And I wanna thank our audience today and all our members and supporters for the tremendous success and growth of the Fiber Broadband Association over the past two years. FBA has nearly doubled the number of member companies during this period. Our Fiber Connect annual conference continues to grow at a record pace, and we have had sellout audiences at our regional events across the country. I'm also grateful that our Fiber for Breakfast audience is so dedicated and continues to grow. I think of these Fiber for Breakfast sessions as my weekly tutorials, and I'm so glad that so many of you are Fiber for Breakfast regulars as we learn from our wonderful expert guests each week. I'm also very excited to announce that Marissa Mitrovich has joined the Fiber Broadband Association to lead our public policy efforts. Marissa is, was most recently the Vice President of Federal Legislative Affairs at Frontier, and prior to that, she was the Vice President of Public Policy at Verizon, in addition to holding a number of roles on the Hill and at the administration. I hope that you all will join me in welcoming Marissa to the Fiber Broadband Association, and we look forward to her taking FBA's advocacy to the next level. Speaking of taking things to the next level, registration is open for our regional fiber workshops beginning in Raleigh, North Carolina on Tuesday, February 7th. We hope that you'll be able to join us. That brings us to today's Fiber for Breakfast session with our good friend, Lucy Moore, Special Policy Advisor at NTI. We'll be discussing NTI Internet for All initiative and a workforce to connect America. Last week on Fiber for Breakfast, we heard from FBA's Workforce Chair, Mark Oxer, and WIA's Tim House on workforce development, the clock is ticking. In keeping with our urgent focus on workforce development, today's Fire for Breakfast session is with NTI's Special Policy Advisor, Lucy Moore, who will discuss their recent released workforce planning guide for states and territories used when planning high-speed internet deployment projects in a session titled, NTI's Internet for All Initiative and a Workforce to Connect America. Lucy Moore joined NTI's Office of the Assistant Secretary as Special Policy Advisor focused on workforce development issues initiatives in January of 2022. She was most recently served as Associate Staff Secretary in the White House. Prior to joining the offices of the sec uh, Staff Secretary, she worked as an appointments associate on the personnel team of the Biden-Harris transition. Lucy previously served as a policy associate for the middle class economics and as co-editor of the Biden Forum at the Biden Foundation. Before joining the Biden Foundation, she served as a special assistant to U.S. Secretary Thomas Perez at the Department of Labor. Lucy received her BA from USC, a pretty good football team these days, and her master's in public policy from Harvard Kennedy School. So with that, welcome Lucy. And for audience, please type in your questions as we go, and we'll work them into the Q&A at the end. With that, let's get things started and I'll turn it over to Lucy. 
Thanks so much, Gary. I'm glad to be here um, and talking about a topic that's of critical importance to NGIA and to the success of our programs. Um, so I will just jump right in. So today I'm going to cover a quick summary of the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program. I know most of you are closely tracking the BEAD program, but thought it would be helpful to start with some top lines. Um, and then we'll go over an introduction on workforce and the workforce planning guide, the requirements and guidance in our NOFOs, and some additional resources and next steps. So as I said, I won't spend too much time here, um, but to give a quick overview, the BEAD program will provide over $40 billion um, in, for infrastructure planning and implementation. Um, the eligible entity for the program are states, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the four um, territories listed on the slide here. Um, one thing I'd like to highlight on this slide um, is that workforce development and job training in support of the infrastructure workforce is an eligible use of the program funding. Um, this slide also includes a timeline um, where we are right now in the BEAD program. We are final in the final stages of um, sending all states and territories their um, initial planning funds. So next slide, please. Um, I'm now going to talk a bit about how we're thinking about workforce at NTIA and at the Department of Commerce. NTIA is proud to support the Department of Commerce's commitment to a diverse, equitable, and inclusive workforce. The Internet for All funding will play a key role in realizing a future telecommunications workforce that looks like America. Um, these efforts will have lasting impacts on our community's economic and social well-being. In October, we released a workforce planning guide to support eligible entities in the development of their workforce plans. Um, since I know you may not be able to access the link shown on this page, you can find the guide at our website, um, internetforall.gov. If you click on the Programs tab and go to the BEAD page, you'll find the link there. Soon we'll have a website page specifically dedicated to workforce, um, but that's still under construction. So the guide includes four main sections, um, components of a workforce plan, including the BEAD program requirements and guidance, developing a BEAD workforce plan, including proposed planning steps and pacing suggestions for BEAD submissions and integration with the Digital Equity Planning Grant Program as well as strategies and examples that offer um, a range of approaches for meeting workforce requirements, and lastly, additional resources to support workforce planning and implementation processes. I'm now going to go into more detail on the requirements and guidance included in our NOFO and highlighted in the workforce planning guide. So industry stakeholders um, should become familiar with the requirements and recommendations in the BEAT NOFO related to workforce requirements. Um, as you'll see on the slide, um, there are both requirements in the NOFO that are necessary for complete and successful um, five-year action plans, initial proposals, and final proposals. And then there's also guidance, which is um, strongly encouraged by NTIA. Um, these fall into four workforce categories, federal labor and employment laws, which are legal requirements that apply to all employers in the United States, skilled workforce activities, which include how employers hire, pay, and consider skills of workers and subcontractors, equitable training and workforce development activities, which offer on-the-job and professional skills development for all workers, and contracting requirements and guidance concerning direct employment and contracting, as well as partnering with minority businesses and other socially and economically disadvantaged businesses. 
Our first workforce component is federal labor and employment laws. Um, as employers, feed subgrantees and subcontractors will be held to federal labor and employment laws. As noted here, these apply to all employers in the United States and are not particular to BEAD, um, but the BEAD NOFO does make explicit mention of the federal labor and employment laws listed on this slide. Um, the next workforce component is skilled workforce. Um, el eligible entities and subgrantees must build and develop a highly skilled workforce. Um, as part of that, they will define skilled workforce requirements and guidance for their subgrantees that will affect the telecommunications workforce and workplaces. The requirements will likely vary by state and eligible entities um, should take note of their own state or territorial workforce laws. Um, it's critical to our success that each subgrantee certifies that it will use an appropriately skilled and credentialed workforce that can complete the activities um, of the program. Our next workforce component is equitable training and workforce development. Uh, the equitable training and workforce development component encompasses um, four uh, subcategories. Workforce readiness, including advancing equitable workforce development and job quality objectives, such as requiring registered apprenticeships. Supporting a diverse workforce, including having effective um, plans for outreach to historically underrepresented groups into the telecommunications workforce. Outreach and engagement including engaging with workforce-related stakeholders, such as community-based organizations, and worker protections, like coordinating and engaging with unions and worker organizations. Finally, the last workforce component is contracting. Um, contractors or subcontractors will be subject to the workforce requirements laid out in the BEAD NOFO um, if they're participating in the BEAD program. Um, in addition, eligible entities will be encouraged to contract with small and minority business enterprises, women's business enterprises, and labor surplus area firms, and we have more information on um, those organizations and the federal agencies that, that support their work in the planning guide. So I'm now quickly going to cover a couple of additional resources that are included in the workforce planning guide, as well as some next. So the Workforce Planning Guide includes planning steps for eligible entities to take in order to prepare for the workforce demands of the BEAD program and to develop their workforce plans as required by the NOFO. I won't read through um, all of these listed on the slide, but some highlights where industry could help include understanding the workforce landscape, um, including the current needs of employers, um, collaborating with partners, and outlining a pathway to achieve workforce goals. The guide also um, includes pacing suggestions, as I um, mentioned earlier, um, for eligible entities that are consistent with the timeline for the requirements in the NOFO. So this slide includes additional resources that can be found in the Workforce Planning Guide, such as points of contact with other federal and state agencies and local organizations, resources for workforce planning and understanding the workforce landscape, and a best practices checklist. Um, the checklist is intended to help um, eligible entities evaluate potential workforce development programs and how they match up to what we've identified as best practices. Um, we're soon going to be releasing case studies that offer examples using a diversity of programs to demonstrate how to use the checklist. And those will be released on an ongoing basis to include a variety um, of examples, but that is something to, to look out for in the coming, in the coming weeks. Finally, I want to highlight some next steps or opportunities for you to help us on these workforce goals. So we'd love for your help amplifying the workforce planning guide 
and subsequent tools that come from NTIA on workforce development. It would be hugely helpful to share examples you know of, of workforce development or training programs in the field. We've been collecting these to share um, with eligible entities and other industry stakeholders, but since many of you are actually on the ground doing this work, I'm sure you know of examples we haven't yet identified. Um, and lastly, we'd love to work with you on events in the states that highlight those best practices and existing programs. For example, um, we could invite state broadband office staff and NTIA federal program officers to job sites or training programs that exist in their states to see how the work really gets done and to talk about existing challenges that are preventing scaling of these programs. Um, and two other things that aren't listed on the slide, um, but I wanted to highlight in terms of next steps. Um, first, stay involved in the planning of high-speed internet programs in your states. Get to know your state broadband offices and stay in close touch with them. And next, as I've mentioned, states will need a clear picture of their workforce needs in order to properly plan for these investments. Um, so tell states about the workforce needs you anticipate and lend your expertise on how to design effective training programs. And I think that is all the slides I have. Yeah, so thanks so much for your time today, and I'll turn it back to you, Gary, um, if there are any questions you have. Thanks, Lucy. You know, this is super interesting. The, um, so, you know, as you've been working your way across all 56 states and territories, kind of, can you describe um, what you're hearing from the state broadband office on their, how prepared they are for workforce? Is this a big issue for them? And, you know, where are we? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I would say it varies. As with all things um, bead related, um, states are all at different um, stages. They're going to face different challenges, um, but this is a topic that comes up all the time. Um, we, I think over the last few months, states have been very focused on kind of getting through the application stage, getting their letters of intent in, and then getting their planning funds. Um, but now that they've received, for the most part, those planning funds, um, they really are going to start um, the real work of planning for workforce development in addition to all of the other topics that will be included in their five-year action plans. Um, and so it's something that we hear all the time from our state broadband leaders network um, and from talking to state broadband offices. And I think they could really use support from folks who are on the ground in their state who are running training programs, who are employers um, on what their needs are. And so, um, and I think it really does range, you know, some states have put together um, workforce plans already. Others have just started thinking about this. Um, so it really does vary. Lucy, the, as we look at, you know, you go to each state, the, the challenge that we see is that you have to really do this matchmaking between the service providers who are going to need employees to get infrastructure build, you know, um, the colleges or training institute, as well as the funding, you know, because there's a lot of moving parts. There's the NTI bead money that's eligible um, for this funding, but then you also have the Department of Labor apprenticeship money, and then there might be state money. So can you kind of make sense of how these moving parts should come together or what, you know, how you envision it? Yeah, so we are um, trying to work together with our um, 
federal agency partners were in regular communication with the departments of energy and transportation and other departments that are um, deploying infrastructure funding, as well as the Department of Labor, which has something called um, the Good Jobs Initiative, um, which is their kind of effort from the Department of Labor to coordinate this um, infrastructure spending across the federal government and offers um, kind of technical assistance in how to be thinking about ensuring that good jobs are created through these programs. Um, but it is a lot of moving parts. There are many different um, kind of funding pots available. Um, and so we are trying to provide um, technical assistance to states as well, um, where we can on how to be thinking about this and um, what uh, funding sources might be available for different um, training programs. So you know, we're always happy to kind of be in close touch with folks as questions arise. So when you think about, you know, when I look at talk to the state broadband offices, um, you know, they're looking at, you know, $42.45 billion and then they're mapping, you're know, looking at their FCC maps and say, how do we take our allocation and get as many people connected as possible? But from, yeah. you know, the first part, should we be looking, should they be looking at um, how do, um, or am I going to fund and get my workforce out there? Because it, it appears that if you don't have the workforce, you're going to be very efficient on your deployment. And you're saying that it's going to run up your cost, right? So you need to be able, and so you have to be able to get that workforce trained and out there before the money comes. So if we look at the money, it, it, you'll do the allocations next June, and then the money should start flowing about a year from now. Um, the first 20%. So they really only have a year to get the workforce in place. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's why it's so critical to have this workforce focus in the development of both the five reaction plans and then the initial and final proposals, because, you know, what states have to say is both how they're going to use their money to reach that goal of 100% access to high-speed internet, um, but also how they're going to have the workforce. To make that happen um, and so those things have those questions can't be answered in isolation they have to be um, answered together and that's why we're kind of really making a concerted effort on the workforce piece because um, you know we can do all the planning in the world but if we don't have um, a skilled diverse workforce ready to go when um, shovels are <laughs> in the ground it, it really um, we won't have succeeded so you know, if I look at just the fiber, so I mean, you look at a lot of different job codes, but if you just look at the fiber job code, so we're seeing that we need over 200,000 fiber optic technicians across the country to get the bead, you know, all the fiber deployed for the bead program. And so if we're going to get 200,000, uh, you know, so we've entered into a partnership with the WIA because they have a really good TIRAP apprenticeship program with Department of Labor. We also entered an agreement with the uh, Communication Workers of America. Um, so we're also helping with their apprenticeship, but so our job is to go and we have we have the program up and ready to go. We have to go to every state. We have to find beachhead schools, and so each beachhead school, um, like a community college, they have to we have to train their trainers, and then we have to also set up a partnership. So we have to seek out service providers in every state that will be able to accept those students as apprentices to be able to go into their workforce. So how, um, so there's a lot of things that have to happen. Um, one, the states won't get their, their allocation until a year from now, but they do have up to $5 million. Should they start with their, their $5 million knowing it's not coming out of the planning part of their funding 
but know that they can use that as seed money to get this going? Is that the way we, they should look at it? Or Yeah, I think, um, again, not to you know, be too repetitive, but I do think it will vary for states um, on how they want to use that, um, that uh, 5 million um, in planning funds or um, however much um, they're receiving in, in um, planning funds. But this is, you know, workforce readiness is one of the things that um, we've listed as um, as an eligible use of that funding, and as well as kind of training up the state broadband office staff itself. Um, and I think one of the things that you mentioned that really um, resonated is these you know, train the trainer programs. Um, we have heard that over and over again. That um, you know, one of the biggest challenges is in setting up a training program is finding um, experienced trainers to to teach students, um, and so uh, that's something that I would definitely recommend um, thinking about early uh, because it will be necessary. But yeah, I think um, you know preparing for the workforce needs is one of the things that we um, recommend states thinking about as early um, as possible. Yeah, and certainly you know we all do train the trainer in Raleigh in February, and then again in Oklahoma City, and you know throughout our regional events, and we certainly. Um, we'll work with every state to, you know, help get their community colleges or wherever they want trained, you know, to, and the way we look at it is start with a beachhead school in the state that can get up and going and then they can be able to train other schools in the state and so that they can be able to hit all the underserved areas to make sure that those are the areas they need people trained. So what are you seeing as far as um, where are we going to find these workers? So, you know, I mean, if we look at the telecommunications industry, it's pretty much an aging industry. We see a lot of retirees, retirees now, especially with COVID and so forth. You know, what what is is the NTI doing anything to try to recruit, or what should states do to to identify uh, potential candidates for the workforce? Yeah, um, I think you know one of the things that we've been um, encouraging is. Um, to your point about the kind of aging workforce, um, is for folks to think beyond um, kind of the current landscape of the telecommunications workforce, which you know, according to the data, is overwhelmingly male, it's overwhelmingly white in the workforce. And so, um, how can we be thinking about um, you know representing these jobs as jobs for women as well, for people of color? And um, both, I think that's a kind of outreach and um, kind of public campaign side of you know how can you include um, diverse spaces in your marketing materials for training programs things like that but then also working with community-based organizations that are in the states in the local communities that have access to that kind of talent pipeline um, whether it's a you know there's a kind of um, women in trades organizations tradeswomen organizations or um, a uh, community-based organization that works with a certain um, kind of ethnic group in the area and knows who's looking for a job, um, kind of how you can th think beyond the traditional um, workforce landscape, and then also thinking about um, younger uh, students, um, whether it's high school or even earlier than that, and how we can make sure that um, high school students are learning about these opportunities from their um, college, uh, it, I guess they're called uh, 
student counselors are, um, that are talking to them about different college opportunities and are they also hearing about, you know, the non-four-year college pathways and um, I certainly didn't hear about telecommunications as an option when I was in high school um, and so how we can change that for um, longer term um, success of the industry and making sure that we have have a pipeline of workers. So those are things that we're recommending to states and in the guide we have a number of examples of different um, types of programs that work on that recruitment side um, and so and we really tried to include um, examples from a diversity of states that are both um, geographically diverse and that work in red and blue states. Um, so we really think that there are ways to do this that work in um, a variety of different settings. Yeah, I mean, we were really excited with our pilot for our fiber optic technician training. Um, one of the um, students was 17 year old right out of high school with zero, zero broadband experience. Yeah. And when he finished the course, he went right into a professional position that um, green light broadband and uh, now he works there as a fiber optic technician. So, you know, it's, it's really great that, you know, have programs such as ours, which is able to take someone off the street with zero experience and then have them come to the program and they're fully qualified to operate, um, you know, right now into their apprenticeship. Um, what about as far as taking your bead money, can the states provide stipends and so forth so that, you know, those, you know, there might be people that want to switch careers or want, you know, but they don't have the wherewithal to take eight, 10, 12 weeks of training and then go through an apprenticeship and so forth. Is there a way to be able to help subsidize um, their living and travel to get trained? Yeah, you know, I we haven't gotten into too much detail about what um, specifically it, it looks like when we say that kind of eligible entities are um, able to use their funding to support workforce and training and you know we've left it pretty broad and so I think as long as states can say in their plans um, how the money is being spent to support um, the deployment workforce um, that's something that we'll look at and um, I think uh, I don't see why not. Fantastic. Well, Lucy, we just really appreciate all the hard work that you and your team have done at NTI to really, I mean, this is thus the number one issue, you know, if we're going to get, um, be successful in having this infrastructure deployed across the nation and really make an impact for generations to come, we got to have the boots on the ground to make this happen. So, um, again, just really appreciate um, everything that your team is doing at NTI to make this happen. And so thank you for that. And thanks for joining us today. I want to thank our all audience for joining us today, and I hope that we can get back together next Wednesday. We're going to be getting together with Alex's new president and CEO, Michael Weening, on his new role in the company and his perspective on the evolution of the industry. So you won't want to miss that. So look forward to seeing you guys next Wednesday. Thanks, Lucy, and we'll see you guys soon.